When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to Story Story Podcast. I am today's part-time host, Simon Brooks, and I have some great stories for you on this episode. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and bring you back safely. Can you keep a secret? I couldn't sleep all night. I couldn't sleep until I could. But then I woke up at 4am. Instead of trying to get back to sleep, I knew I wouldn't. I got up, dressed, and poked Mo with my toe. She looked at me as if to say, Just because you can't sleep doesn't mean I can't. Go away, please. But I poked her gently again, and then got her leash. At least now she was curious. She got up, stretched, shook herself and slowly padded over to me as I tied the laces on my boots. She cleaned herself a little as she turned her orange-yellow eyes towards me and then did a little jump to nibble my nose. I was used to this and moved fast enough to avoid the playful nip. Boots on, harness on, jumped into the car and off we drove. I love the silence of the road at this time of day. Usually I would be heading to a gig, but with the COVID shutdown in place, I'm still doing mostly virtual work via my laptop and hardware store garage clamp lights. The road hummed beneath, the lights flashed on the broken centre lines until we came to the forest. There's a pullover for those who know it, otherwise you would just miss the trailhead, which is not really a trailhead. This is our secret place, which only a few folks must know. For the trail is so little used, and there's no sign to draw attention to itself. Out of the car, an off-mo ran, taking in the early morning smells. The sky was beginning to lighten, but the shadows in the woods were deep. My fingers played with a flashlight in my jacket, but I didn't get it out. It would spoil the half-light. The birds began to waken. One particularly early rising chippy was almost caught dreaming by Mo, and was almost caught by her, but the chippy shot ten feet up into a tree and yelled at us for waking it up so rudely. The stream was singing. Wait, the stream was singing. I whispered to Mo to stay close, and she did, but I could see she was curious treading as carefully, as gently as possible, we headed for the brook. Stepping as lightly as possible over fallen branches and twigs, trying not to slip on rocks wet from the dew, we got closer and closer to the sound. At first I did not see her, but then I did. Not too small at all, maybe five or six inches tall. Our first storyteller today is a little more than five or six inches tall. In fact, she's no short lady at all. Priscilla Howe 
is a wonderful and another powerful storyteller. She works with stories and puppets, but she loves the epic tales and gardening. Mm-hmm, it's true. She is a generous human being, and I am excited to introduce her story, The Village with No Cats. Sounds like Mo's ideal place. <laughs> in Bulgaria, in the country of Bulgaria, there was a village that had no cats. And because they had no cats, they had mice. There were mice in the barns and mice in the houses and mice that ran over the people's feet at night and mice that tickled people's noses when they lay in bed and mice that dipped their tails in the people's coffee. Oh, they did not like those mice, not at all. But one day a stranger came to town. His name was Heather Petr. He said, why do you have all these mice here? They said, we don't know. We don't know how to get rid of them. Keter Petr said, how about getting some cats? The people said, cats? What are cats? Keter Petr said, you don't know what cats are. <laughs> I'll get rid of your mice for you. Mm -hmm. I'll get rid of all your mice, but you have to pay me very, very well. They said, we'll do anything. We'll do anything at all. And so he went to another village where they had lots of cats, stray cats, that didn't have homes. He gathered up all the stray cats and put them in a big sack. He didn't pay anybody anything for those cats. And he took those cats to the village of no cats. He said, all right, now you pay me well, and I'll get rid of your mice. So they paid him very well. He put that money in his pocket. He said, aha, I've tricked these people. He opened the sack, and the cats jumped out, and they began to hunt the mice. They hunted the mice in the barns and in the houses. They hunted the mice everywhere. And the people were very happy. That first day, lots of the mice were gone. The next day, more mice were gone. The day after that, even more were gone. But then Heather Petr began to think, uh-oh, maybe, maybe people will think that I've cheated them, because in fact I have. I'd better leave before they find out. And so he started walking out of the town. The men were all sitting around drinking coffee, and they saw Keter Petr walking very quickly out of town. They said, look at him. He looks like he's running away. Oh, maybe he didn't tell us everything. Maybe these cats, as he called them, maybe these cats are man-eaters. We better follow. We better ask what they eat when the mice are gone. And so the men began to follow Keter Petr. He walked faster. They walked faster. He walked faster. Finally, he began to run. The men said, look, he's running. He's so scared of the cats. Oh, no. Heather Petr, what do cats eat? He stopped. Heather Petr stopped just for a second. He heard that, and he said, they eat meat. But the men were so scared, they didn't hear the word well. They, he they heard him say, me. Me, he said, me, they eat me. That, that means they're man-eaters. Oh, no, oh, no, we've got to get rid of the cats. Maybe we should run, too. No, no, our families are back there. Oh, and so the men ran back to the village, and they got their brooms, and they started chasing the cats out of the village. They made all the cats leave, and the cats never came back. But you know who did come back? The mice. There were mice in the barns and mice in the houses and mice running over people's feet 
at night and mice dipping their tails in people's coffee and mice tickling people's noses in the night. Oh, there were mice everywhere, but at least they didn't have those man-eating cats. And that's the story of the village of no cats. Shark week. Pah. It's vampire week in fairy tale geographic. We will be traveling to Transylvania, visiting castles and crypts, cathedrals and catacombs, churches and smelly basements where things go swee in the night. Learn the legends and larks of these strange and legendary night creatures. What stories are real and which are false? Who is trying to create fake science and where do these beasties live? Don't worry. The vampires can't hurt you. They are stuck in the magazine. But if you want to see real live, or should I say, undead live vampires, buy this week's copy of Fairytale Geographic. Forget Shark Week. Go big or go home with Vampire Week at Fairytale Geographic. Sign up now for this weekly scientifically doubted mythical magazine. Call now for details. Did you know that most of the patrons of the podcast have the unique ability to find missing socks? It's true. If you become a patron, you might find those single socks which mysteriously got stolen by the sock fairy. Become a patron and possibly save $50 a year in lost, no, found, or maybe lost, I'm not sure. Save $50 a year from those missing socks. Think of the saving when, if you found those missing socks and can make, once again, matching pairs, rather than pretending to be a hip sockster. Naha! Become a patron today. There was a light that seemed to surround her as she sang, sitting on a large rock. It had been cleaved in two by ice and time, was covered for the most part in moss, but in the crack of the rock, the water from the stream ran fast, smoothing down the already smooth surface, chattering as it went. I breathed in the air. It seemed the wind was blowing in my direction. That was good. Whatever it was, that that singing woman would not smell us. I looked at Mo. She looked funny. Her ears were pricked up and her head cocked to one side, listening to the music, listening to the singer. How could a voice sound like this? It was so beautiful. It was an old ballad, one from England. The voice of this tiny woman, wait, she had wings. It was the barest movement that gave it away. The bottoms of the wings flowed down her back and onto the rock like an elegant scarf. But they were definitely wings. I saw when she moved them in time with her song. She seemed to chuckle a little bit between the verse and the chorus as if she thought the story was silly or that humans wrote such songs were silly. Mo made a little whimper. I ducked down but was too slow. The tiny figure leapt up, took a step forward and spread her wings. The flight was not slow and awkward like a butterfly but fast, like a darting dragonfly, first this way, then that, and she was gone in the dark shadows of the trees. Mo let out a yip, as if to say goodbye. Maybe Mo's whine was a hello. Talking of hellos, let's say hello to our second storyteller for today. You'll never guess who it is. Go on, have a guess. Uh-huh. You think so? Or any other guesses? Well, it gives me a 
great chill, I mean thrill, a great thrill to introduce Rachel Ann Harding. <sighs> I love, love, love Rachel Ann's work. I've been a proud supporter and pusher of her work for many years. This tale is whoa. Rachel Ann's telling a story on her own show. This story is... Oh, I get so excited. Okay. Okay, here's Rachel Ann telling Hiding the Old Man. Hey, this better not be about me. In a province of Japan where a mountain met the sea, there was a very strange law. It said the law came into play after a tsunami had decimated the village and many of the crops that were to feed them for years. You see, the law was this, that once an elder had reached the age they could not care for themselves, they were to be carried up the mountain to a certain valley and left there. Even the lord of this province had done this, in great pomp and circumstance, leading a pack of people wailing and crying, with great flags being hung, and they left his parents there. But that was not the day we start the story. No, the day we start the story, it was a young farmer whose father had become so old he could no longer lift the spoon to his mouth. And the farmer knew it was time or he would be in trouble. And so he lifted his father to his back. His father weighed no more than a sack of rice. And he began to walk up the mountain. And as he did, his father hummed in his ear this tune that he had heard when he was a child, the tune that had soothed him when he had bad dreams. And as they walked, he felt his father reach out and break off the tips of branches as they walked, marking their path, till finally he slowed and he said, Father, you know you can't come back. You can't follow the path home. And his father whispered in his ear, I know, but I don't want you to come to any harm. I don't want you to be lost, so I break off the branches so that you'll come home safely. The young man felt that weight on his heart, and he shifted his father on his back, and he turned around and he went home. And he hid his father underneath the porch, and at the nighttime when no one would see, he helped his father up and into the house, and they ate as a family, and they slept together in the big room <coughs> as a family. And so Now the lord of that province decided that he would have fun with the people that he cared for. And he set out a decree that he had a riddle and anyone who could figure it out why they would have reward. And he asked for them to bring him a rope that was made of ash. And every farmer set to task trying to figure out how to make a rope out of ash. The young farmer himself tried but could not figure it out. And finally, one day, he crawled beneath the porch and he spoke to his father, their voices whispering back and forth as the children played above them. <laughs> and he came out and he took a rope and he twisted it as tightly as he could and in a long wooden box, he placed the rope, put a lid on top and then went to see the Lord of that province. He came and he bowed low before the Lord and he took off the lid of the box and the Lord said, there is a simple rope in there. He said, wait. And taking some uh, kindle, he struck a match to that rope, and it burned. It burned until the rope was gone, but there was a perfect piece of rope made out of ash. 
And as the Lord marveled at it, a gust of wind blew it away. The Lord smiled. You have done well. You will have reward. And so the young man was sent home with some kind of rice and a little bit of gold to spend. But it wasn't long before the Lord sent out another challenge to the farmers. This time they were to thread a conch shell from one end to the other. Now many had tried. Many took a long piece of thread and put wax on it to see if the stiffness would make its way through those winding curves of the shell, but it was not working. And so no one was coming forward with any solutions until the young man once again climbed underneath the porch, spoke with his father, and then came out. And he took a big cloth, a conch shell, a long piece of string, a piece of rice, and an ant. And he went to the Lord of the province, and he said, I think I can figure out your riddle. And the Lord waited and watched, and he watched as the farmer tied that string around that piece of rice and gave it to the ant. And then he put the ant at the large end of the conch shell, and he covered over the shell and the ant completely until just the tip of the shell was poking out and into the light. And they waited, and they waited. And after an hour or two, that little ant came crawling out, holding that piece of rice, the thread trailing behind. The young farmer cut the thread, and there he had threaded the shell. And the Lord looked at him and said, that was very clever. And I have one more riddle for you, farmer. I want you to sing to me the song my grandmother sang. And the farmer thought, this is, I don't know what song his grandmother I, I, I only know the song my grandmother sang to my father. And so he sang that song. The song his father had sung to him as they walked up the mountain. And as he sang, the Lord began to tear up. And those tears rolled down his cheeks. And he said, how do you know that song? I thought it was forgotten. And with that, the story tumbled out. I, I began to take my father up the mountain, but I couldn't, and I've hidden him under my porch, and I beg you, just please, have mercy. And the Lord did. He saw how much wisdom had been lost. And not only did he have mercy on that family, but he decreed that all of the taking of the elders to that hidden valley in the mountains be abolished. And so the elders were brought out and into safety. And so they should be even today. Thank you for listening to Story Story Podcast. Share the love, show the love, and go and find some more of Priscilla Howe's work on her website. As you might imagine, everyone's finding it hard to find an audience right now. So spend, spend, spend some cash on them. Buy directly from these wonderful storytellers as every little bit counts. You can find Rachel Ann and her podcast on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. There you will find the visual candy from the fairy tale sponsor ads and other goodies. Me, I'm on Instagram at Simon M. Brooks and on Facebook and on my website, Simon Brooks Storyteller.com. Diamond Scree, yep, that's me. The poo like brains behind the fairy tale sponsor belonged to me. <laughs> The inspiration for the true fairy tale came from a tiny mushroom and a split rock on today's walk in the woods with Mo. 
Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors. They are a lot of fun. And let me, Anne and Isabel, know a favourite story you have heard or the favourite stories from your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. Maybe, maybe one of us can record it for you. Come on, send a request. This isn't the first time I've said this, you know. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. For those of you that have become a patron to Rachel Anne, thank you. You make the world a better place. If you would like to become a supporter of the podcast or discover real sponsorship opportunities to rival those of Fairytale Geographic, you can find links on storystorypodcast.com. We can even create copy and record it for you. If it isn't in the cards to support the podcast right now, no worries. Perhaps you would be willing to go write a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast. What will you get if you become a patron supporter? Head over to the website and join the mailing list for Hidden Goodies. And don't forget, live happily ever after. Live happily ever after. Live happily ever after. Mary-Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.